This is Box to Box with Rob Gilbert and Michael Edgley. Oh, what a goal! For Chemist Warehouse. Home of real brands and real savings. And Storage King. They're just around the corner. Absolutely fantastic! Hello and welcome to Box to Box, the show that is everything football on Macquarie Radio, NTS News Talk Sport. You're with Rob Gilbert and Michael Edgley. First edition news in a minute. Marco is away again. Dino's in the studio with us to open the show. But there's plenty going on in football this week with the Premier League kicking off this weekend and the final games of the FFA Cup round of 32. But the topic on everyone's lips has been the FIFA delegation visit and just how it plays out for the ongoing governance of football in this country. The past 24 hours have been a hornet's nest of rumours. There's a lot of stories breaking in the past 48 hours and it just seems more messy than it's ever been. To go through all of that and find out the truth of the matter, we talk to our regular contributor on the show, Australian Financial Reviews, senior journalist, one of the most respected men in the country, John Stensholt. We're going to find out what is just happening there because it just looks a mess. But while the world game has plenty of big competition competitions around the world, there is none bigger than the English Premier League and it kicks off this weekend and we're going to preview the opening round and the entire season with the Leicester Mercury's Rob Tanner. He's going to join us after John Stensholt in the second hour. As always, we'll kick off with second edition news then we'll focus on the FFA Cup with another of the victorious Premier League coaches Bentley Green's John Anastasiadis then Dino is going to return to preview the opening round of the EPL in a little more detail after we've analysed it with Rob and we'll wrap it all up with stoppage time Edge mate what what, what do you say I mean if, if the, the powers of this country for a full week can't sit down and work it out it seems and I know we're going to go through it with John Stensholt that, that two separate deals were struck uh, on the sidelines of, of this delegation visit and the man who's gone and, and, and inserted himself in the middle is the chairman, Stephen Lowy, and, uh, and just dismantled what looked to be uh, peace in our time. Uh, are you surprised that uh, two separate deals which were struck by people outside the FFA boardroom were rejected by the FFA board? I'm not surprised about that. Yeah, but there is a bit of, uh, there is a bit of uh, keystone cops about this because... Because we've had Ray Gatt, uh, we've had Dominic Bossy and Tom Smithies on stakeout at the Pullman Hotel mm. in Sydney. I was wondering whether they were getting sent down food from uh, the FFA uh, chairman, just like they did in the stakeout. Whether any bananas got stuck in Beverly the tail- cop style. Whether, whether any bananas got stuck in the tailpipe. But um, look, it was at one stage, you know, uh, it was like. Uh, Gotta love Ray Gat. We love him. He's, he's, if you follow his Twitter feed on, miss. on uh, Wednesday and Thursday, he was uh, he was reporting you know, lunches arriving and all this sort of stuff. Mm-hmm. It was pretty it was pretty funny stuff. Um, but seriously, I mean, uh, just when it looked like the FFA Congress dispute was close to a resolution, it looks like we're back to square one, Rob. And that's the that's the well, reporting. While you're quoting movies, I'm going to quote one of uh, the great movies of all time, Apocalypse Now. One day this war is going to end. Well, it may or it may not, absolutely. Well, it's got to end at some point. I mean, Dominic Bossy of the City Morning Herald, who's been all over this story, yes. along with Ray and Tom, they've been doing a fantastic job. Um, he's reporting that opponents of head office, including A-League clubs, uh, met without the FFA and grew increasingly confident of striking an agreement throughout the process. Mm. However, it didn't materialise, and Stephen Lowy did intervene at times to reduce uh, what... Uh, to put pressure on the uh, on the state federations to effectively reduce the impact and influence of the A-League clubs. But those journalists you mentioned also um, suggest that FIFA were were you know bewildered 
to be locked out of the room for as much as two hours while Stephen Lowy deconstructed these agreements that were made. Yeah, I, I must admit, I, I do. I mean, we, we're sort of reacting to all the reporting, and you know, I've, I've spoken to a few people that were in the room too, and there is a bit of sympathy for the FFA because it's a bit like herding cats. I mean, there was over 40 people in a room trying to reach an agreement. I mean, that is unbelievable. So why don't we bring in uh, Dean Hennessy, who's a member of the uh, the NPL clubs organisation. Surely it, should, it would have been easy, Dean. Dino, what yeah, are we, uh, I mean, uh, come on, give us the oil. No, 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 you, you, you've got the hotline to Rabbi Kram and these sort of guys. Yeah, What's going look, on? Well, I saw Rabbi on uh, SBS last night. He did say that he, uh, he was having a little clip on there. Um, and look, it's there's so much, there's so many things been going on from the time we we actually created this organisation. Uh, we've come, I feel, a long, long way. Um, but it's like anything. There's 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 mo- most probably more questions than answers uh, most of the time in the in these situations. I, I know from our point of view, uh, the representation we've had in the in the two days that they were there, uh, there's been a lot of ground gained, I guess. Um, and look, we we have a voice. I mean, I mean, I know politics is politics, and I'm coming to terms with this now in the in in regards to football. I've never really been overly exposed with being a player coach and a TD but I think um, really I mean I think time will will most probably uh, be the healer of this and hopefully a a really good outcome for, for everybody involved in football. Well, what was really interesting was last Saturday morning was uh, was what I found interesting because uh, I, I did my uh, training at uh, the Tan Track with my with my mate Matt Dundas, and then we stopped to have a coffee, and uh, then the explosion came, which was the email from Stephen Lowy, um, which was a brief was, email, which is just a brief email, two thousand two thousand words. words. <laughs> it took me about ten minutes to read it on the phone <laughs> while I have a coffee, but um, you know he, he the salvo started there really. You know um, he he lined up the A League clubs as having overseas international influences that weren't good for the game in Australia, he lined them up as being greedy. Um, that, that was it, subtle. If they were, uh, if they were effectively one of them, gave them the money they want, that the national programs would have been cut in half in terms of resources. So, you know... Um, but it's, can I ask you the question, though? I mean, the way that was written, you're telling some pretty serious people to behave yourself ahead of FIFA coming to town. Let's not, you know, play up the, um, you know, the principals coming to the schoolroom and, and we all need to be on our best behaviour. So, you know, you little Johnny, you're always causing trouble and, um, you know, I just want you to be quiet. These people don't react but Hang well on, the, the A-League clubs through Greg Griffin have called for Stephen Lowy's head on multiple mm-hmm. occasions. They have, behind the scenes, um, pressed all the buttons with FIFA to, to, you know, to threaten this normalisation committee. What do you expect them to do? Yeah, but do you think that, that, a, that a missive like that from the head office is going to get a... It was... A, it was an incendiary um, email, if anything, and it just really threw Look, the fuel they, on the fire when he's supposed did. to be the diplomat and sort things out. And, 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 and you know, th- these are conversations that really should be ha- happening in privacy. We, we shouldn't be getting emails from the head office. But within um, the game, like I that. think there is some sy- sympathy and empathy for the position that mm. the FFA board are in at the moment. Uh, to, a, to, to a certain degree, there is a lot of momentum and a lot of noise coming from um, you know the stakeholders that are looking for change. We understand that, and we want change. Mm. However, it's got to be done in a way that uh, that that people can um, can work with each other. And and the chasm that exists between mm. the A League clubs, in particular their nominated spokesperson and uh, point on this negotiation, Greg Griffin, and the FFA chairman, is so great mm. that it almost appears to be irreversible. Yeah. Just on the change, um, it's inevitable. We have to have change. Um, it's part of the AFC mandate. Yes. I mean, that's yeah. and this is the thing. I think everyone keeps losing the, mm. po- the the plot on this. It's not what we want in Australia. It's what the AFC want 
from Australia. So until we get our heads around that and we deal with it properly and we get a lot of voices in, then we'll get some change and we'll get the right change. And and and, and I know in anything that we've been doing as a, as a group, we're not rushing into it. We're not making rash decisions. We're going through all the processes that you would expect an organisation that's got professionals working for them that know the game really, really well. Football people. That's an interesting one, isn't it? Actual <laughs> football people involved in football. Mm. That'd be nice. Level so if we can keep that going, then yeah. I think we're on the right track and we won't make any wrong decisions. Stephen Lowy's a football person. No, he is. Well, he is, but how much real experience has he had? Well, probably not as, as much as anyone else, but I mean, that, that term football person is a bit of a weird one for me. Well, well, I find it just because if you look at the major stakeholders at the FFA, they're generally non-football people to date. Some some lawyers on the board are, but I wouldn't. Chris Nicku, just because Chris Nicku hasn't played at a no, I'm not talking highest, about Chris. I mean, he's he's a football person. Yeah, but I mean, you know, I'm just I'm just taking issue with that term. People throw it around and as a as a slogan when it's not necessarily the case. Yeah. Well, we beg to differ. <laughs> <laughs> I'm we glad you toss that in there. <laughs> All right, boys, listen, now we normally go through a few more stories at the top of the show, but that is the big story uh, in the game in Australia right now, and we need to dissect it. We're going to dissect it more after the break with John Stensholt from the Australian Financial Re- Review. We'll get to the rest of the news to open the second hour of the show, but next up, after the break, John Stensholt, he's been right in the middle of this. He knows exactly what's going on. He's as good an authority on the subject as anybody. Stick around. Next on Box to Box, John Stensholt from the Australian Financial Review. Box to Box. Can you believe it? The Chemist Warehouse. Home of real brands and real savings. And Storage King. They're just around the corner. And this could be the most crucial goal of all. This is Box to Box on NTS News Talk Sports. Streaming on the World Wide Web on digital radio and, of course, the podcast on Box to Box NTS.com.au. We open the show with this, and we all know FIFA's been in town this week. We all hoped, rather than expected, that the mission would help sort out the issues in the game. After the week's talk fest, it seems not. It seems they are just muddier. To talk through it all with the Australian Financial Review's John Stensalt, welcome to the show. Hello, Jim. How are we? Yeah, we're good, John, but we're frustrated like you and everyone else who's got an interest in the game in this country. Uh, I mean, look, could you just give us the 60-second the, the snapshot of, of what's happened over the last 48 hours for, for anyone who might not be up to speed and uh, and just how the mess got to the stage that it's currently sitting in? I think the problem is that uh, not, much, not enough has happened, isn't it, really? Yeah. So, I mean, obviously, FIFA delegates came to town to try and, oh, I guess, broker a peace deal of sorts, really, with all these stakeholders, as, as the buzzword is these days. Uh FFA and the clubs and the states and uh, you know, new organisations that are around the players in particular. Um, I guess reading between the lines, there were certainly some deals that were cut, but then sort of uh, you know, rescinded upon. So really, uh, we haven't been able to get uh, get agreement on what the Congress, the famous Congress, which you know effectively elects the FFA board and therefore you know, controls a bit of the power and so on, uh, you know, football in this nation, of what the voting structure you know could could made up. I mean. Uh, I prefer to talk about four four two and four five one formations, yeah, but we tend to yeah. seem to talk about yeah, nine nine six one and uh, <laughs> nine five two and these sort of things instead, don't we? We're talking votes rather than uh, rather than playing formations. It's a funny time, isn't it? We uh, had a bit of fun off the top of the uh, show, John, talking about the stakeout, uh, Dominic Bossy, Tom Smithies, Ray Gat, whether they were getting food sent down to them by. Uh, Stephen Lowy, whether the, you know the, the bananas were put in the tailpipe as they were staking out the Pullman Hotel, but uh, funnily enough, um, it, it's pretty serious business, isn't it? That uh, that this uh, has got to this stage, and um, the embarrassment for the FFA on the international stage must be fairly significant. 
Oh, look, it depends on how much Australia resonates on the international stage, really. I mean, let's face it. Uh, I mean, these things happen too with FIFA. I think it's embarrassing just here in Australia in the corporate world and, uh, you know, uh, you know, particularly the one that I, you know, write about a lot. I mean, mm. I think people would be asking uh, FIFA. I mean, the the very name FIFA, you know, sends shivers down people's spines. I mean, given the uh, the poor reputation the governing body has around the world, I mean, the mere fact that, you know, you use the, the sentence FIFA's coming to town to sort out a mess... Uh, it's, well, it's it's worrying, isn't it? But at the very least, but it's uh, you know, it's a big turnoff uh, as well. I mean, you think about how competitive this this landscape is here in Australia for sports. I mean, with four winter codes of football, and then uh, you know cricket as well, and all these other emerging sports and events that uh, want uh, sponsor time and money, and then you here you have football, which has this amazing participation base. But, uh, you know, at the top level, it's, uh, it's just we're back to those days of infighting. I mean, it doesn't matter who's right or wrong about it. The fact is, the perception will be that the game is in a mess and there's fighting going on. And that's a problem, I think. So, John, we're talking to the Australian Financial Reviews. John Stensold on Box to Box here about the, the FFA FIFA crisis. Uh, and it is a crisis right now. The question that I ask you, and it's based on the, the consistency across all of the, the writings subsequent to the, uh, the, uh, the, the visit that which has just ended of, uh, of the FIFA delegation, that there appears to have been a sidelines agreement between stakeholders, which didn't include the FFA, of course, um, that was constructed Constructed on two separate occasions, that um, that all of the, the the talk coming out of the the mission is that Stephen Lowy then personally intervened on two separate occasions to deconstruct this deal. Now, on the one hand, you can say, well, he would do that because he wasn't involved in the discussion. But on the other hand, it seems that that his intervention has broken down the only opportunity for a peace deal. So. Question here is, if that was the only opportunity for a genuine peace. Wasn't it in his interests to somehow or other agree with it and at least let FIFA leave with an agreement rather than leave all of this up in the air because eventually he might have loaded the gun and put it to his own head? Well, I mean, agreeing to those deals may well have done the same, though, don't you think? I mean, it's effectively a little bit like the turkeys voting for Christmas, isn't mm. it? We don't, I mean, the rights are wrongs of it uh, you can go into, but uh, it just doesn't happen. I mean, if people... Uh, uh, if people are, I guess, put under threat, I mean, if the deal that was was being cut between the clubs and the states effectively meant that Lowy was gone in the game or that the FA, FFA board would you know, be in an untenable position, I mean, no one can be surprised if they fought a regard action uh, to try and stay in power. I mean, it doesn't sound like a, a fantastic thing to do. It doesn't, maybe not necessarily a great thing for the game, but... I mean, if you talk about something being a peace deal, I mean, who's the peace between? The peace certainly wouldn't uh, wouldn't include the FFA board, would it? So, I mean, I, I could hardly say it's peace. I'm not saying it's right or wrong, but uh, to describe it as something that would, uh, you know, uh, I guess be be uh, be satisfactory to all parties concerned isn't really right because it clearly wouldn't be satisfactory to the FFA board. Now, I'm not saying that's right or wrong, but you know, at the same time, I mean, of course, people when they're put in a position where they're being threatened or or they're uh you know look like they're going to be taken over we'll probably try and do something about it I and mean, that's the way that these things operate in the corridors of power unfortunately interestingly um we've obviously uh, through the reporting uh heard uh, bits and pieces from the a-league clubs um, some fairly <clears throat> consistent hostile quotes from greg griffin and then obviously the, the ffa statement as yet, we don't really know much about what uh, the AFC and FIFA representatives um, have thought about uh, their couple of days in Sydney uh, waiting through this. They'll go back to 
uh, Zurich and uh, and report back to that committee. Um, John, uh, using your crystal ball, and we know it's difficult, can you see this getting to a point where the, the FFA board could be removed? Do you think that is a real possibility at, at this point? Of course it's a possibility. I think uh, I think we've only got uh, three months to go, really, until November, where uh, that's going to happen and, uh, and a so-called FIFA normalisation committee comes in. I mean, it's if, if that's what uh, the clubs and the states want to happen, all they have to do is not agree to anything until that time and then take their chances with the normalisation committee, don't they? So, effectively, the FFA board, I suppose you could say, is on borrowed time in this. Uh, and that's the sadness of it. I mean, the fact that it's got to this. I mean, if a FIFA normalisation committee does come in, uh, I don't know, could you put normalisation and FIFA yeah. in the same sentence? No, I mean, you couldn't. That's, that's the problem, isn't it? I mean, it would just be a huge turn-off for the game here in Australia. I know it happened in Argentina, and it's happened in Argentina, and it looks like it might, might will happen in Spain, I think I'm right in saying. In other countries, it's clearly happened over time, but those are, I guess, bigger football nations. I mean, look, it's not a great thing that, uh, you know, that Stephen Lowy took over from Frank Lowy and, and so on and so forth. Mm. You know, the game is, uh, is controlled effectively by Lowy, I suppose you could uh, be forgiven for saying. But, um, you know, we have to be careful, I suppose, to see what the alternatives are. Who knows what the alternatives are? I'm sure there's smarter people than me out there with plans, but, uh, you know, a FIFA normalisation committee, uh, you know, could go anyway, I suppose. So we know the clock's ticking uh, on this. There are around two and a half months to go before the, the FIFA deadline. The only chance for peace in our time is for the FFA to sit down separately to FIFA, work out some kind of resolution that um, that, that clearly wasn't um, worked out in this past week uh, to, to stop the normalisation committee. Other than that, it's, uh, you know, all bets are off and... Um, what Who knows what the future would be in that scenario? I think the, I think a, a big key to all this is, 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 cut, is striking a deal for the uh, separation of the A-leg from the FFA. I think, really, that's the key to it all. I mean, yeah. the clubs effectively want that to happen, and the mm. way they can... Um, trying to make that happen is to get control of the Congress or to get more votes in the Congress and therefore you know, have more influence on the FFA board and therefore have more influence on the A-League uh, separation. So, really, if the FFA fix that part, they could probably yeah. uh, you know, strike a deal on the Congress thing as well. So, really, I think the whole key to this is uh, what the structure of the A-League is and then everything probably flows from there. Yeah, absolutely. Well, John, thank you so much for your time. Um, we really needed to get to the nub of the matter and, um, and we, we can't get it to it uh, with anyone better than you short of talking to Stephen Lowy or David Gallup himself so uh, we're really grateful for your time mate and um, and when this uh, evolves to its next stage mate we'll uh, we'll ask you back on the show to flesh, uh, flesh it out in a little bit more detail no, not a problem we might be talking about who's on the FIFA normalisation committee in a few months that could be interesting <laughs> exactly <laughs> exactly John Stensholt from the Australian Financial Review so Edge uh, we've heard John talk about this uh, issue in detail uh, you know there are a few other people could, who could speak with similar authority but not uh, anyone with greater authority both in terms of sport and business I mean this is where John makes the crossover with his expertise and knowledge and uh, his comments on the way that this uh, um, ripples through the, the, the corporate world are, are ominous, really, aren't they? Absolutely. And I think everyone who has a, a, a really strong interest in this issue, which is if you love football, you, you do, um, we now have to wait to see what the feedback from FIFA and the AFC is. That is the crucial point. There's been a lot said um, and a lot of you know leaking in the process that suggests that the A-League clubs, in particular the City Football Group, have extremely strong connections and influence at FIFA, that they might have been driving this process. You know, there, there is a view there. I mean, that'll be 
that that uh, hypothesis will be tested mm. with the feedback that uh, that FIFA gets. I know that um, the FFA suggests that may not be the case. It'll be interesting to see now that uh, the FIFA and AFC representatives have seen uh, the mud in all its glory over the last a couple of days here in, in Sydney um, it'll be interesting to see whether they change their view or, or what they tack they take from this point on. I think that's the missing piece of information. Um, you know the FFA has made some statements and mm. they're obviously right. talking to journalists. Uh, okay, I want to ask you, um, <clears throat> what's your prediction there's you know, ten, 10 weeks to go. Oh, my uh, prediction is that uh, the, the, there'll be brinkmanship and, um, and we'll get a resolution and the FFA will remain intact because I think the normalisation committee, even for the clubs, could be uh, quite unpalatable because, mm. you know, who knows what's going to happen beyond there. And I think John Stanschultz's comments uh, ring in my ears, in particular the embarrassment on the corporate level. I mean, how can how can the FFA secure sponsors in the event that uh, this sort of process goes to the goes to the wall? Yeah, exactly. And and then that goes to John's answer to my uh, question on why Stephen Lowy would intervene. It's the only way he can and the board can survive if he does, um, and so that they can work out a. I think it's a, a more than survival. It's what they believe. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Fair enough. All right. Let's get to the EPL. It's next. It's coming up this weekend, and we're going to talk to Rob Tanner from the Leicester Mercury next on Box to Box. Box to Box. Can you believe it? For Chemist Warehouse, home of real brands and real savings, and Storage King, they're just around the corner. And this could be the most crucial goal of this all. This is Box to Box on. NTS News Talk Sport. Now we've trawled through the entrails of the domestic issues, but the big issue around the world this week is the biggest competition in the world, the English Premier League. It kicks off Friday night in the UK and to talk us through, to preview it all, our mate from the Leicester Mercury, Rob Tanner. Good to have you on the show, mate. Well, thanks to be on again. Now, Rob, we have to put up with a 15-week uh, pre-season over here. The pre-season barely seems to have begun and, and the, the, the new uh, year of competition is about to get underway, mate. Um, th- th- it never ends um, in your part of the world, does it? Well, no, I mean, football all year round, I think this is the quietest summer I can remember in the last few years. There's not been any tournaments, so to speak. But they have been in pre-season for six weeks now, building up for this. You know, they've had a short break again. They're about to start the season slightly earlier and finish it slightly earlier because next summer's World Cup. So, football is you know, 12 months of the year now, and uh, they don't get much respite. Absolutely. What are you looking forward to, Rob? Uh, off the top of your head, what is the uh, the main uh, the main activity in the, of the Premier League that you're looking forward to this year? Well, I want to see how some of the big clubs have developed, because we also picked one of the last season, we expected more from Man City. He's had a season now, he's learned a little bit more about the Premier League. I mean, I, couldn't, I was there in the press conference after the defeat at Leicester when he said, I don't do tackling, I don't coach the tackling. Well, in England, you need to know how to win the ball back. It's a very competitive league. So I want to see how he's adapted his tactics. Jose Mourinho seems to have got United going now with a, in a style that you know you would associate with him. Uh, so it'll be interesting to see how they've developed and, and whether they can close the gap to, to Chelsea. I mean, Conte, there's a lot of talk in England at the moment about uh, Chelsea and Conte being unhappy with the transfer business that they've done so far. He wants more done before the transfer window shuts at the end of the month. So, you know, have, have they managed to kick on again? It's, it's all going to be very intriguing. And, and Arsenal, Arsene Wenger, uh, you know, he's settled his future. He's staying at Arsenal. A lot of Arsenal fans wanted to change. They wanted a new direction, but they haven't got it. They've got uh, Arsene Wenger still. And, uh, you know, is he going to be able to develop them? And, and there's still a lot of question marks with the transfer window open about some of the key players in the Premier League at the moment, you know, like Sanchez and... You know, there's, there's a lot of players that still seem unsettled at the moment and their future's not quite sorted. So um, it's, it's going to be an intriguing first few weeks of the season. And Rob, 
Uh, yeah, while we're on Arsenal, uh, they had a good start to, to the season, winning the Community Shield. Uh, uh, for what that's mm. worth, but uh, if they don't get off to the start that it's expected, um, is it likely we could see the, the whole Arsene Wenger thing start up again? Inevitable, I think. Inevitable. If Arsenal haven't kicked on from last season, then yes, expect more of the same speculation, expect more of the same fan protest with mm. banners at the stadium and stuff like that. Um, but notoriously, over the last few years, they haven't been the best start to campaign. Um, so that's given Leicester a bit of hope ahead of tomorrow night's game mm. uh, because uh, Leicester have, uh, haven't won at Arsenal since 1973. So, you know, they're, 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 they're clinging on to a scrap of hope. And the fact that as well, they've got quite a few injuries going into the season as well. Uh, so it, m- it might not be a particularly good start for Arsenal. You know, we'll wait and see. But if it does turn out to be the case, then yes, expect a few more uh, banners and a bit more uh, heat going towards Arsenal Wenger. Rob, our domestic football codes here in Australia, in particular the NRL and the Australian Football League, uh, Friday night television broadcast is the biggest of the week. So Friday night fixtures are huge. It's a bit of a new thing in the Premier League, and obviously uh, the team that you cover uh, kicking off on a Friday night. What's been your assessment of how the Friday night fixtures have gone, and uh, can you see uh, them continuing to grow uh, over the next few years? Yes, I can, because I've been experimenting with the championship fixtures on Friday night, and they've been getting pretty good um, viewing figures for it. So, yeah, I can see this being a permanent uh, feature. This is the first time the Premier League's kicked off on a Friday. I mean, Leicester kicked off this season, last season, with a lunchtime kickoff at our time in England uh, at Hull. Um, so, you know, they're, they're, they're used to now getting the league season underway. But, mm. uh, no, it's going to be interesting. I mean, I'm, personally, I'm not a massive fan Friday night football, you know, I'm a bit of a traditionalist, perhaps I'm stuck <laughs> in my ways, I like the 3pm 3, 3 on a Saturday afternoon, yeah. you know, that's, that's, that's the traditional time, I mean, we used to have a very popular football magazine in this country called When Saturday Comes, but it doesn't seem to be Saturday now, it seems to be Friday, Saturday, Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, so <laughs> I don't think that would be a bit, a bit of a headline, that would, though, for a magazine, so, um, you know, so I'm not a massive fan of it, um, but... You know, it's, football is all about the TV now. It's where all the money's coming into the game from. It's the uh, TV deals and the TV rights, not just from domestically, but from around the world. So they want to watch football when they want to watch it, and the teams are prepared to play at those times. Absolutely. I'm sure the Leicester fans have uh, taken their day off work on Friday or, or uh, maybe gone to early lunch and not returned to the office to catch the train down to London, Rob. Absolutely. Yeah, that's the thing. So they're very committed football fans in this country, you know. Uh, their jobs are like second to their to their they're following their teams around the country, and there is some treks. Yeah, I mean, you know, you've got Bournemouth and Southampton and the South Coast, and then up the top you've got Newcastle. So you know, you, you could you, and you never guarantee to get them at a weekend. It could be a midweek or Friday night as well, which makes it all the more awkward. But they'll still be there. They will still be there. There's over three thousand Leicester fans that are going to be travelling down to the Emirates Stadium um, tomorrow to support uh, their boys. This is Box to Box on NTS News Talk Sport. We're talking to the Leicester Mercury's Rob Tanner about the upcoming English Premier League. Round one kicks off this weekend, Saturday morning, our time, 4.45am kickoff, but Friday night, as Michael has mentioned in the UK. Now, Rob, we do want to uh, ask you a couple of questions about the uh, Australian presence in the Premier League in a moment, but before we get there, uh, mate, can you give us some of your predictions on, on just where you see this uh, uh, season occurring? Uh, how's it going to play out the uh, you know the top end of the table? Are we going to see the uh, the power clubs uh, um, dominate? Are we going to see a bolter from the middle? Um, and, and those promoted clubs, what are we expecting from, from them? Well, to start with the top of the table, I, I can imagine it's going to be the same as last season. 
Leicester City's title win uh, two years ago really changed a, a, mm. a lot in the Premier League. It, it sort of embarrassed a lot of the big clubs who were spending fortunes on their squads. Uh, that had a little team like Leicester City that put their starting eleven together for 22 million with embarrassing sides that put theirs together for 250 million. But that that just meant they poured more money into it in many respects, and they obviously a lot of them changed their managers as well. Brought in Mourinho, Guardiola, Conte. So you know it was, um, it was a, big, a big shift. And you saw that last season. It was a bit more of a normal campaign in many respects for the sides that you'd expect to be up there. They were up there, and I can't see that changing. I think that, that, that if anything, they're going to get stronger. I certainly think United have got stronger by signing Lukaku. Um, they're going to be in contention this year. I, I, I think Man United fans will be very disappointed if they're not, the amount of money they're spending. Uh, Man City, I expect to be stronger. I think the gap to Chelsea will uh, have uh, slipped slightly. The, the one that um, everybody's intrigued to, to see, really, is Tottenham Hotspur. They've yeah. had a couple of great seasons. Uh, but can they can they maintain that? They haven't really invested a massive amount in the squad uh, this season. you know. And, if, and, and in the Premier League, if you stand still, other teams will overtake you. Um, so we'll see what they're doing. And obviously, Arsenal. Um, they, you know, there's been such a, a long time since they won the title. And, uh, and, and finally, Liverpool... Um, it's a long, long way. Never won the Premier League. A club with that heritage and that history, uh, who dominated English football in the 80s, not won the Premier League. And that mustn't sit uh, very well with uh, Liverpool fans. And Jurgen Klopp now, he's had a bit of time at the club. There's still question marks about Coutinho. But if they can keep Coutinho, I would expect them to be challenging top four, if not for the title. So um, in terms of the, mid- the middle range uh, sides, who could really break out and make a challenge? Everton. Uh, spent a lot of money. They lost Lukaku, but they've uh, recruited heavily uh, in this transfer window, and they're close to signing Gilfie Sigurdsson as well mm-hmm. from Swansea for, for a figure around £40 million as well, um, and he would be um, box office for them. Um, he, he, he was second in the terms of assists in the Premier League last season in a team that was struggling, Swansea struggling in the Premier League, so he would guarantee you some potency in the final third of the, of the field, and, and they've also uh, brought in quite a few other decent players as well. So Everton will be the ones that will be expecting to try and break that that top six monopoly. And the other side that I'm quite intrigued to see this season, because they've gone about it quietly, but they've recruited um, some decent players. It's West Ham United, mm. uh, they struggled last season. The Dimitri Parrot sort of saga sort of overshadowed the start of their season. and uh, Eventually he left and he was such a catalyst for them in the previous season. Uh, but they've uh, brought in uh, some decent players. Um, during this window, Joe Hart, Zabaleta, uh, Javier Hernandez, to name just three. And uh, you know, if they gel quickly, they, they could have a decent season themselves. In terms of the three coming up, it's going to be very difficult. It's mm. getting harder and harder for the teams coming up now to survive because the gulf between the Championship and the Premier League is getting bigger and bigger and bigger. Huddersfield and Brighton, I worry for them. I really do. Um, you know, They can't compete with the other clubs in the Premier League for the top talents to strengthen you have to strengthen Newcastle have got that fan base which can roar them on but that's, that, that club still seems to be a fractured club in many respects Rafa Benitez is holding that all together and if Rafa who has stated he's unhappy with some of the transfer business or well, the lack of transfer business so far if he decides he doesn't need it anymore and he walks they are in real trouble mm, but they've got such a massive fan base up there they're a huge club and uh, you know if they, could, if they could sort out what internally what uh, has been holding them back for the last few seasons 
what a massive club they would be in the Premier League. Rob, just for Australian uh, fans of the Premier League, uh, we're a little bit more excited than normal because two of our Socceroos, our prime movers, are going to be playing in the Premier League this year, and that's Matt Ryan at Brighton and Hove Albion and obviously Aaron Moore at Huddersfield Town. <laughs> we're expecting Matty Ryan to have a very busy year. <laughs> yeah, it's, yes, it, it, I, I, think, I think that's the case. But it, what a great opportunity, what a great platform, what a stage for him to um, perform on. And, and uh, as we saw... Um, right, the whole last season when Harry Maguire uh, was their standout player, defender, defender having to do a lot of defending, but he obviously um, did it very, very well. Uh, he got himself a £17 million move to Leicester City on the back of it. It's a great opportunity for for those two guys, really. Even if they, their team struggle, you know, if they can really showcase their talents, uh, and even if their teams go down, they might be able to get themselves a move away but you never know I mean because obviously three years ago Leicester City came up and they had great team spirit and the camaraderie in that squad and you know they managed to, to survive in that first season which is crucial and once you survive and you for one season and you get some of that um, some more of that money and you manage to invest that into your squad you can grow and you can develop so uh, while I expect it to be tough for both their clubs Brighton and, and Huddersfield you wouldn't write them off you wouldn't write them off if they can get uh, pulled together and get some of that team spirit going there could be a couple more worse teams in that division Hey Rob mate you are nothing but comprehensive in everything you do mate um, and I'm going to throw you one very brief question without notice we're watching uh, Harry Kuehl over here he's coaching uh, League 2 uh, outfit Crawley Town they were knocked out uh, of the League Cup uh, by Birmingham City thrashed 5-1 the other day um, is there any uh, sort of watching brief on, on how he might emerge as a potential manager going into the future because we'd certainly love to see a, an Australian coach uh, you know, rise through the ranks he's got such pedigree in uh, you know, the Premier League and, uh, and, and obviously with uh, the Socceroos he's got to be patient he's got to, he's got to learn his trade I mean, he's, go, he's doing it the right way I think by going in at the bottom of Crawley Town learning the hard way. He will have a lot of difficulties that because obviously he's been at the top of the, the game throughout his playing career. Uh, he's going to experience things at Crawley that he's never mm. experienced before in his time. I think he's got uh, the telephone number of every Liverpool. fan. Yeah, exactly. I mean, I, I used to go to Crawley Town when I was covering Tamworth in, the, in non-league football you know, 20 years ago. Um, that's how far they... They have come a long way, that club, but... Um, you know, he's, he really is at the grassroots at the moment, so he's got to be patient. He's got to listen to other managers because they do give young managers um, tips and advice. And, uh, you know, he, he, I'm sure he would have picked Harry Redknapp's uh, brain uh, the other night at, at St Andrews at Birmingham City. Mm-hmm. And uh, he would have learned something from him. And you know, that guy is vastly experienced manager. Mm. Um, so that's what he's got to do. He's got to take on every experience and he's got to, to just grow, give himself time. Yeah. Uh, and his name will help him. His name will help him because if he starts doing something at a club like Crawley, if he can get a club like Crawley moving in the right direction, club, bigger clubs higher up in the pyramid will notice him and they'll yeah. think about um, giving him a chance. So it's early days for Harry, but he's got every chance. Good on you, Rob. Well, thank you so much, mate. Uh, as always, we, we love your work and uh, we wish uh, the Foxes all the very best uh, going into the opening game of the season uh, this weekend, mate. And, uh, and no doubt we'll talk to you plenty of times throughout the year. Thank you very much. Next up, stick around because Dino is going to return and we are going to go through all of the local football action. That's next on Box to Box. Box to Box. Can you believe it? The Chemist Warehouse. Home of real brands and real savings. And Storage King. They're just around the corner. And this could be the most crucial goal of all. It has been a big first hour on Box to Box now. 
It gets bigger with our former Notts County man, 250-game veteran of the Victorian Premier League and former coach and technical <laughs> director of Hume City, Dean Hennessy. Enlighten us, Dino. Yeah, hi, uh, hi uh, Rob. Uh, look, it's uh, it's football, I guess. Um, I had a meeting with the chairman last week, uh, which was Friday. Uh, you know, we had a little bit of a dance together. Just just for the listeners around Australia, Dean, um, Dean by mutual consent has departed uh, Hume City to pursue other interests. But take us through into the into the, the conversation with a well, club the, owner. The conversation went pretty pretty straightforward. It was Dean, come and have a coffee with me. Uh, we sat down, we danced for a while, and uh, and then he decided that <laughs> that we needed to to go into a different direction. And and I understand where he wants to go. The the whole operation. ABD has been brought back in house, so every everybody that's connected with the organisation are there now. He wants a full time uh, technical director, and you know, obviously, I've I've got a full time job plus being a technical director, so it was never going to be for me. Um, we had three great years. I've got to give Steve K a, a full appreciation of one giving me the opportunity to be the technical director because I'd never done the job before. I think we've had an unbelievable success. I'd like to think that if we're not the best, we're very close to being the best junior product in Victoria um, and that's not down to me that's down to me and the team of coaches and the players themselves and the club supporting all the things that we did to, to make this a really successful program um, so we I did you know in light you know it was a conversation that Steve dictated and I agreed <laughs> but, but as we uh, as we know these things happen every single day in football, let alone every they single do. week, and, uh, and and it's good to see that uh, you know things can be handled with uh, with. Oh, uh, they are. Look, it's you're absolutely, Rob. You're spot on. I mean, anybody who loses a job of any sort, yeah. uh, whether it's you, you didn't see it coming or you, you knew it was coming, yeah. it is what it is. And I, and I've been around football a long, long time. It's not yeah. the first time I've lost my job, and it won't be the last. Yeah. But I think. You know, the relationship's really strong. He's been really good with me the whole time I was there. So, you know, and he supported me. So, for me, we move on. And uh, I was there on Wednesday for the FA Cup yeah. uh, with the boys. You know, I I was kind, it was kind enough that I could introduce, spoke to every single playing group. And uh, it was good. And we left on good terms. And, you know, I was there on Wednesday. And... What a game okay, it was. It, what, a game, what a game it was. He's, he's, he's a bit fish more brutal than Steve was. Fish and chip. Uh, yeah, yeah, so before we go, guys, um, because, you know, we, it, this segues beautifully into my next <laughs> point, that stress and anxiety are natural in everyday lives. <laughs> so, Dino, why not find a natural solution? Thompson St. John's Wort may provide relief from mild anxiety, mood swings and nervous unrest. It is thought that St. John's Wort is a reuptake inhibitor of serotonin. What does that mean? As well as dopamine, noradrenaline, there are chemicals in the brain linked to anxiety. That's exactly what that means. Formulated with a standardised and high-potency St. John's Wort extract, Thompson's may provide a natural way to relieve stress, mild anxiety, nervous unrest, mood swings and sleeplessness. Right now, St. John's Wort, the Thompson's St. John's Wort, is only sixteen ninety nine at Chemist Warehouse. Always read the label, use only as directed. Please consult your healthcare professional or club owner. Chemist Warehouse... Lowest prices guaranteed. I think we might distribute some of that. Well, to I think no, but well, they've already done it. They heard about the news and they <laughs> sent a couple of bottles round to, to, to settle me down for, <laughs> for the foreseeable. Good so, stuff, Dean. Until the, the next exciting adventure, because there will be one. We do know that there's a lot of clubs interested in a man of your experience and there's already a few uh, expressions of interest on your desk. So we'll, yeah, we'll, so we'll find out where Dino, we with your junior development hat on, yeah. uh, I have a, a bit of news that I think is worth uh, getting your opinion on, is that uh, it, it just proves that 
uh, junior development is big business in Australia in football because Heidelberg, my club, during the week announced a partnership with Honda Estilo, which is the effectively formed by the uh, the superstar Japanese international Honda about uh, a program of junior development. They have reached a deal where um, their Australian operation will be based at Olympic Village and it includes an investment in facilities at Olympic Village of $500,000. It just proves how sick by, by the Japanese company. So it just proves how big junior development is as a business. And that's great news for, for Heidelberg United. Junior development's massive, really massive. And, and look, and I think we could do a segment and I think we need to maybe do this really, you know, in the foreseeable future about our junior development, get some real good experts on a panel and really discuss where Australian football is because the golden generation's been and gone and we're not we don't really look like we're ever gonna create another one unless we change something. Absolutely. Now Dino, talk us through the FFA Cup results uh, this week because it was a big week. Um your former club uh, took it right to the wire. There was a bit of a uh, clangor that um that led to the opening. Yeah, goal. look we can we can start with the Hume City game. I mean I'm fortunate enough to have coached both and um you know it was certainly I was on Hume's side on the night and uh, Obviously, good friends with Johnny A, so we go back a long, long way. But look, I, I Who think we'll talk to in the second hour. As which we've already mentioned. We, yeah, exactly right. But I think I think the game, the, the conditions were poor. I mean, the goalkeeper Michael Weir has been outstanding this this year, and it was unfortunate for him uh, misjudgment on, on clearing a ball. It did come off uh, Tyson Holmes' arm as well. So I did talk to Tyson about that. There was talk mm. that he actually caught it and threw it in but no, <laughs> so we had a bit of a joke but he's a good lad is Tyson uh, but uh, the boy uh, um, Jaden Prasad was outstanding and scored a fabulous goal and then, mm. then it went to penalties and to be honest Bentley were very very clinical they'd learnt from the Heidelberg experience of losing the Doherty Cup on penalties and, and they'd corrected their ways and scored all four and unfortunately we, we only scored one with uh, St. Kea scoring so that was the Bentley game uh, What about um, Melbourne victory five goals? Well Again, I know the park, you know, has had a bit of bit of a, a bit of news on. Copped a shellacking, uh, absolutely shellacking. But look, I think give victory credit. I mean, up until up until this week, we've only ever lost a victory in the FFA Cup. So, um, Melbourne victory five great goals. Uh, I saw them all on on, on the highlights package. Austin, Teresi, uh, Barisha as usual, Milligan and Barisha again uh, with the boy Skapitis, which is a young boy that yeah, I've, beautiful had, goal. I've had a little bit of, uh, bit of bit of time with the young. Sp- uh, sp- he was actually went to Queens Park Rangers and then I think spent some time at Stoke. So, and the other games: Adelaide one, Newcastle nil, and Sydney United. Well, uh, just on the Adelaide one. Just on the Adelaide one, Michael Moroni, another boy I gave his debut, um, and he scored, which is very rare for him as a right back. And then uh, the last game was obviously uh, Sydney United. What a victory that was against far north Queensland Heat. Um, Trifio, one of the Trifios was in there scoring, and the boy Sim. Do you remember the boy Sim from the A-League? Yeah. Yeah. um, Born born with no hair. Born uh, with no hair. Went to school with no hair. Played football with now here, medicine. And one of the goal scorers there, Charlie Beverly, scored for uh, uh, Far North Queensland, and uh, we had him at, uh, at Hume last year. I just wonder if Dino just gets in. I mean, it, it's, I'm surprised he hasn't coached every single player. In the <laughs> and Dino, just briefly, your highlights of the round of 16. Uh, we'll get into that obviously when it comes a little closer, but um, pick some eyes out of that. Um, well, it's an interesting draw. Um, I think I think it's been kind for South with Sorrento with Sorrento at home. Uh, I think yeah. the Adelaide victory game is going to be a bit of a cracker. What about the New South Wales derby, Blacktown City and Apia? Like yeah, that. look, I think that'll I like be great. That. I think that'll be really really good, and that'll most probably hopefully be the live game. So um, yeah, look, I think there's there's a lot in there. And the other one is Sydney United. 
Yeah. And you've got Horton Bay and Gold Coast, so that's yeah. a little bit of a derby, I yeah. guess, as well. So, and, yeah. and, boys, down the track, I do want to talk about the draw at some stage of the FFA Cup and, and as opposed to a fixture, which it currently is, because uh, yeah. we do we need, need an to, open yeah. draw. Yeah, yeah, we do. And just like lastly, but Bentley at home as well to Western yeah. Sydney Wonders, which, which is will great. Be great. So hopefully yeah. if they bring a big crowd... I'll tell you what, the, uh, the Suvlakis will be cranked up that night. They will be. All right. Well done, boys. Thanks, Dino. You're going to stick around because after the break, we're going to continue on the FFA Cup chat with Bentley Greens coach John Anastasiadis. After their penalty cup shootout win against Hume City, Dino is going to go through the Premier League. We're going to make some predictions of various things and reflect on some highlights over the last 25 years of the great competition. And we will wrap it up with stoppage time and a general chat around the FIFA Congress this week. That's all coming next on Box to Box. Now, this is Box to Box with Rob Gilbert and Michael Edgley. Oh, what a goal! For Chemist Warehouse. Home of real brands and real savings. And Storage King. They're just around the corner. Absolutely fantastic! Welcome back to Box to Box, second edition news shortly. Then we'll chat to Bentley Greens coach John Anastasiadis after their thrilling FFA Cup penalty shootout win against Hume City. Dino is in the studio now, but he's going to stick around throughout the hour and he's going to preview the English Premier League in a little more detail than what we chatted with Rob Tanner earlier on in the show. And then we're going to wrap it all up with stoppage time. We're going to have a general chat around this FIFA FFA AFC Congress discussion and try to make some sense of it if there is any sense to be made. So Edge, um, we'll just move away from that for a minute and we're going to talk about uh, some other news uh, going on. It's hard to ignore the the FFA Congress crisis but we will for this segment at least and Jurgen Klopp at Liverpool, we love talking about Liverpool uh, on this show but uh, he says that he's under no pressure to sell Philippe Coutinho and considers the midfielder priceless to the club. I think they've knocked back another big... um, over forty million pound offer. No, 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 eighty. Eighty million pound offer. That's 80. right. Sorry. Sky <laughs> Sports News. It doubled overnight. Yeah, that's right. Uh, <laughs> and actually, ninety point four million pounds. Uh, as I uh, look further down this news article, uh, Continuo has pledged his future to Liverpool in January by signing a new five-year contract. Uh, he's in hot. Uh, he's hot property, and uh, Liverpool have to uh, defend uh, the suitors on this one, don't they? Look, I think it's really important, especially the the, the big clubs like Liverpool haven't won the Premier League, um, and obviously dying to win that. Uh, and he's a, a really integral part of their uh, their organisation. And uh, I know Jurgen Klopp thinks the world of him. He's an unbelievably good player, and that's why all of the big clubs around the world want him. So I think it's great that Liverpool now are, are making a stance. He's under contract. You keep him. You make him play. Well, not make him play. I think he wants to play for Liverpool. Um, and and for me, Liverpool have got a big, big chance to to make some really big ground this year. What's the risk on that, Dean? I mean, we see these days that you know contracts aren't worth the paper they're written on with some players. The moment a player gets his back up, you know he uh, he you know announces he's prepared to uh, um, you know to play if he's forced to, and you know eventually uh, gets his own way and leaves. Uh, you know, it, c- could this? scupper Liverpool's season uh, if, if he's not a happy player? And look, well, the answer is yes, of course it can. Uh, but I think I think Jürgen's obviously a very experienced manager uh, and I think he'll, he'll, he's got a really good relationship uh, with Coutinho and, and I think they'll work it out together. But I do agree with you. It, mm. it's, it leaves a bitter taste in my mouth. I mean, mm. you know, I was a professional, uh, played football and, you know, whether you like the manager, didn't like the manager, you had a job to do. And, mm-hmm. you know, all, all of that really should be secondary. You just get on with your job and you work with your teammates to, to be successful. So I get a bit disappointed. I think the money 
in the game as most probably sport a lot of that where mm. it's very very easy to get a lot more money somewhere else and they chase the money and you know what the elephant in the room is yeah. the managers though isn't it I mean the, well, from what is. I understand the managers get paid no matter what and it's in the managers interest to, to uh, and when I say the managers I'm playing talking about the agents agents um, yeah, and, of course uh, uh, to, uh, to, to start to you know undermine contracts uh, uh, th- that's a real issue that we, we can probably flesh out more at some other stage on the program yeah because, without uh, doubt I mean uh, the main thing for football it, footballers is that you you have it's really a limited time i mean you don't know what's around the corner so if you're in a good place and you're playing good football and you're getting results then you're in most probably the best position you could ever be and sometimes the grass isn't always as green on the other side uh, we love the women's game on this show, and we or we should uh, mention that there was a quite an interesting article, a quite an interesting bit of news during the week, but that, and that was that Samantha Kerr mm. has effectively ruled out the possibility of switching codes to the AFL women's competition in the near future. Uh, West Coast Eagles assistant coach Dean Cox threw out the lifeline to Samantha and said maybe you want to come back uh, what he considered home. Uh, I loved Kerr's response. It was simply, nah, N-A-H, nah. There was something... Uh, she said that uh, obviously playing uh, for her country uh, at Olympic Games and a World Cup level, uh, and she mentioned the fact that uh, she was playing real football. <laughs> yeah, that was what and, I was going to uh, say. And yeah. the fans around uh, Australia went, you beauty, Samantha, we love you even more. <laughs> it was great. Great work by Samantha Kerr. The other bit of news is that uh, it was pretty much sort of um, fate complete. We thought that uh, Matilda's veteran, uh, Lisa Devanna, would go to Canberra, but Heather Garriock, the new Canberra United coach in the W League, has ruled that out. So Lisa Devanna, uh, don't think she'll be going to Melbourne City. Mm-hmm. Maybe Melbourne Victory. Not the best is, of mates. Um, maybe, no, 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 they are not the best. Mate. So maybe Melbourne Victory is in the frame to secure Lisa Devanna, who's well, she's a headline act. I mean, you know, South like, Melbourne in uh, the NPLW at the moment. I, I, I reckon the opportunity really exists now, off the back of uh, you know their successes, recent successes, the, uh, the Matildas, to start to, to identify two or three individuals as spokespeople and just get them out there. And Lisa Devanna, she's a lady that has strong opinions and uh, is not afraid to voice them both on the pitch and off it. So, you know, she if you can get her to one of the big clubs and and get her out there as a spokesperson, I, I reckon that's the opportunity to parlay uh, so the success uh, of the international game into the, uh, the, uh, the women's league in this country. And uh, Robbie Cruz, uh, thank God, he made his debut in the Bundesliga 2 uh, overnight with a 1-1 away draw in his new club. And uh, please excuse my pronunciation, all those uh, Australians who have German heritage, but VfL Bochum in Germany's uh, uh, Bundesliga 2. So so good that uh, Robbie Cruz is back on the pitch playing. Mm. And we just hope he gets a couple more games in before uh, Mm. the Socceroos head to Japan. But he started to show some improvement um, in the Confederations Cup, didn't he? He started to show some of his old mojo and uh, and that, you're right, we we really, really need his pace and creativity and and uh, and you know just a player who wears his heart on his sleeve and uh, so critical. When, when he's in form, he's brilliant yeah. to watch, and and that's half the battle for a lot of those. It's not just Robbie Cruz. It's you've got to be playing every week, mm. you know. And if you're not, you know your game's standing still. And and yeah. I think Australian boys going overseas have to be careful where they go. Make sure you you know. And I, I see it like with Jamie. You know, mm. Jamie could have had a different offer. It's a different club, but he thought I might not start there. Going somewhere where he's Jamie going to start, McLaren, hopefully. Yeah, Jamie McLaren. I'll tell you one player that is starting is Tom Rogic. He started in four of Celtic's five uh, uh, pre-season uh, matches, and in the latest one was a uh, was a five-nil thumping over Kilmarnock in the uh, in the Scottish League uh, League Cup uh, display. So he's absolutely um, destroying uh, 
the Scottish Premier League. We'd love to see him maybe in England plying his trade, but Tommy Rogic, let's hope he brings that sort of form into camp for the Socceroos when we face uh, 65,000 Blue Samurai fans inside Tama Stadium on the 31st of August. And I'll be there, Rob. You will be, Edge, and uh, you'll be our man on the ground and uh, making uh, some uh, noise that we'll hopefully will show some mates. green and gold presence in the stadium, unlike the Eddie Had Stadium fixture, which um, was underwhelming last year when... Uh, Last year, this year, earlier this year, of course, wasn't it? Um, where uh, the, uh, the the crowd was underwhelming to say that the uh, the best in terms of size, and the Japanese fans cheered like it was a home game, didn't yeah, they? Well, it was, it was so, good. so you know, we we need to to make some noise. Edge, can you just make sure that when you, you head over there, you pack some floggers and a run through <laughs> and uh, and some green and gold flags to to just. No, we show some well, kind of. Well, well, obviously, you know, the Green and Gold Army. We've got a couple, of, two, almost two hundred people on our tour. Any room left? We'll be not for you. We'll be making. Oh, uh, <laughs> no, that's a sore point with me. I invite you all the time, I and you always not be back. You know, it's far, <laughs> far too important to spend time with me. Hang Japan. on, hang on, hang on. Um, we could have done the show from over there. That would have been pretty good. <laughs> no, we're very excited. Uh, look, there'll, there'll be about three thousand Australians in the corner. Mm. Uh, it's a wonderful experience. Uh, to, to follow the Socceroos overseas. Edge, are we going to make some noise? We are Seriously. going to make some noise. Please. We will be making some noise. I'll you tell know, you what, who also is... They Eddie Had Stadium, the, the uh Yeah, you've the made Japanese your point. Fans. You've made your point. Having no, said I only that, make my point if I hear you leading the cheers. You'll hear me. You'll hear me on the, on the TV. No, no doubt about that. Uh, but look, um, the other news is that uh, two Socceroos who did get some time at the uh, Confederations Cup, um, Arjun Rustic... Mm-hmm. Uh, and in particular as Aziz Bach, two pretty important players uh, in the squad. They both have kicked off their European seasons in the last 48 hours in, in fine form. So let's and let's just say just quickly on Aziz, when he came on in those games, good, I mean, like, he's very good. And again, he's playing regular football. He's never really put in a bad performance for no, the soccer. He never has. So he's and been called upon quite a few times. And I think yeah. that's where I get a bit frustrated. I mean, I'm, I'm a big backer of Ange, as you know, but uh, I, I love players who are in form, playing really well, and play them because, you know, Brad Smith, I mean, we know the story. He's played more internationals than he's played league games. Yeah. And, yeah. you know, that, that just doesn't, it doesn't work. Mm. No, it doesn't. And, uh, and I guess the thing is, Andrew's, um, you know, thrown down a marker on this issue and said to players that if you're not playing, I'm, I'm not going to play. Yes, he has contradicted himself a couple of times. The Brad Smith one is uh, a, a case in point. But more often than not, he uh, in recent times, he's picking players. And, and he's proving to himself, I think, in many respects, his own point. Because when he goes against his, uh, his position... It's not been successful um, as a rule, has it, Dan? No, it hasn't. And, and, and look, uh, everyone knows you, you need to be playing regular football at a really good standard and you bring that game to your international and, you know, internationals are, are massive uh, events for, for all players that play. Absolutely. Well, we uh, ended the opening hour talking about the FFA Cup. Next up, we're going to talk to the successful coach of the Bentley Greens. Uh, they uh, had a, a good win against your old club, Hume City, Dean, and John Anastasiadis is a, a, a name well-known in football in this country. He's the coach of the Greens, and we're going to talk to him next on Box to Box. Box to Box. Can you believe it? The Chemist Warehouse. Home of real brands and real savings. And Storage King. They're just around the corner. And this could be the most crucial goal of all. Yes, this is Box to Box on NTS News Talk Sport. We've covered the world game far and wide so far in the show, but we love the FFA Cup and everything that it's brought to the game in this country over the last few years on this show. And on Wednesday, a gripping penalty shootout win for the Bentley Greens over the gutsy Hume City Dean's former club to tell us all about it and to reflect on what was a great win and, and the future in the round of 16. 
Bentley Greens coach John Anastasiadis. Welcome to the show, mate. Thank you. So a, um, a primetime thriller on Fox Sports, uh, professionally packaged to Bentley Greens um, strutting the stage and, and winning the day. John, uh, you know, just talk us through uh, how you felt on the night, mate, the nerves and, um, and uh, just the way the game played out. Yeah, obviously for the neutral, it was a good game because it went to the penalty shootout. Yeah. But uh, for the faint-hearted like, uh, <laughs> like like myself and a couple of others, uh, yeah, we don't uh, normally we don't want that to happen. But <laughs> you know, we had the game in our in our grasp and um, we let it slip. Uh, as a, the conditions were were hard to deal with. I thought the players um, really felt uh, second half uh, that they that they struggled a lot to put their passes together because they didn't know to put you know to pass. As normal, or take a bit of weight off it, and, and mm. it's just it was playing havoc with us. But uh, you know, nevertheless, um, you know, we fought it out hard. You know, Hume had a great opportunity to uh, to win the game uh, with, a, you know, lucky enough hit the post. But uh, I thought position-wise, we, we had most of the ball. Uh, we our final third pass was pretty poor. I watched the game, um, you know, last night on uh, just uh, on the video, and yeah, we. We've got to be better. It comes down to the time of the year. You know, the players are, I don't know if they're in holiday mode yet or they're just, uh, you know, it's just one of those things, mental uh, mental tiredness. John, it's Dean here. Um, obviously, the FFA Cup has been uh, pretty rich for you guys, obviously, with the semi final, uh, I think it was 2014 against uh, Perth. Uh, what does it mean to the club? Yeah, look, it's, uh, it's, 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 it's I mean, it's not only for our club, I think for, for most of the clubs around the country, or well, the NPL clubs or the lower clubs, uh, apart from the A-League ones, uh, it, means, it means great exposure. Uh, it means gives another incentive for the players. And, uh, you know, when they play someone like, uh, for instance, we're playing West Sydney now, and it, look, they're in the eye of, the, uh, of, of, uh, of a leading coach, in this case, Tony Popovich, so it's a great opportunity for them to show something because you, uh, you never know who's looking and great you know it's, it's 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 another motivational thing for them that you know if i can perform that i want to you know relive my dreams and and, and sort of get to the a league to the top of the league and this is a one way to do it so but as a club uh, there's no doubt there our exposure especially that first year the inaugural year with that um uh, semi-final uh, game against perth was was extraordinary i mean people know bentley greens in the far north queensland now which is which mm. is uh, uh, just another question as well. I mean, um, you, you made a good point there about the players and the opportunity, you know, in that shot window. I know Jai Ingham, um, uh, from our point of view, when, when he was at Hume, we played victory three times in a month. And I think it was on the reflection of the three performances that knew he was good enough to play there. I think, you know, and, and it'd be an interesting question where we're in this space, you know, how far away do you think we are from an MPL point of view to the A-League in regards to individual quality? I don't think we're that far. I mean, Paul Ocon will uh, test that. <laughs> uh, and uh, yeah, but uh, no, I don't think we're that far away. I mean, let, let's let's sort of you know make it bananas with bananas and apples with apples. At the end of the day, they train five five six times a week, uh, maybe even twice a day. Sometimes we don't. I reckon if we put our players into that environment, uh, there's, no, there's no doubt that we can match them uh, at all costs. So, but look, the gap is narrowing. Uh, but it's again, it's you know, it, it's about the uh, the mental toughness of, of the players in uh, in the NPL. You know that that uh, that, mo- that motive they've got if they've got that motive to sort of go higher. 
well, you know, this this is where it's all this is what it's about. So, I think that's what the A League players have that they'll go out. You know, they'll go to win. They'll win every game, no matter if it's a friendly game, a cup game, or a uh, or a league game. That's what we've got to drill into our players. And uh, apart from you know the skill level, the technical level, I think that's the most important part: the mental toughness of them. Sure, as this is box to box on NTS News Talk Sport, we're talking to coach of the successful Bentley Greens, John Anastasiadis. John, uh, it's Mike Edgley here. I, I, I find this time of the year uh, really interesting and intriguing from the point of view of a NPL coach like yourself, because um, there's a lot of obviously media focus on the FFA Cup, but you have a league, uh, a league battle on your hands. Um, Heidelberg, South Melbourne, and yourselves are locked in a three-way tussle for minor premierships, and then and then obviously finals. How do you balance both uh, competitions at this point, in particular the the, the load on your players? Yeah, look, we've learnt our lesson the past two or three years on and how we're going to do, how we're going to, um, you know, help the players out with their loadings and that. And I think this year we we sort of made, uh, you know, made the decision that to sign at least 16, 17 good players and keep them rotated throughout the season and have them fresh um, for games and situations where we are at the moment, where the game Wednesday, Sunday or Wednesday, Friday, uh, you know, so... I think one of the key for us this year is that we've, we've rotated quite a few players. And, you know, I, I said to them at the start of the year, I said, uh, you know, what, what do you boys want? Do you want, do you want 10 players to play 30 games this year and win nothing? Or do you want 17 players to play, uh, you know, uh, 15, 16 games and then win championships and, 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 and sort of FFA cup runs and that? So I think, I think they understood what I was coming from and, uh, there's no doubt that our rotation policy this year has helped us a bit, as will it be on Sunday. There's no doubt there'll be three or four players coming in who will uh, replace the boys who played Wednesday. So they'll be, uh, you know, help out. Because uh, we've seen what, what's happened with Heidelberg and South Melbourne. When you keep the same te- team in um, after a tough game like the FFA Cup game is, they really struggle on the weekend game. Well, that was my next question because uh, both Heidelberg and South Melbourne were comprehensively beaten after their FFA Cup wins. You've um, obviously got a backup on Sunday um, in what is probably the biggest game of the year in your league uh, context uh, against South Melbourne. You need to win to give yourself a chance of finishing top. Um, I mean, that must be on your mind that uh, South Melbourne's had uh, more rest than you guys and uh, can prepare a lot differently as a result of uh, not playing an FA Cup midweek game. Absolutely, absolutely, there's no doubt about it in my mind. But you know, we, we after the game we, we gave the players a day off yesterday. Um, we said that you know if they can get around to do some recovery in the in the beach or in the pools, not the Brighton Beach, but some other beaches. So, um, <laughs> and then, uh, uh, today we'll have uh, we'll have a very light session, and then um, and then we'll uh, we'll sort of get ready for the game on Sunday. So. We're doing as well as we can to sort of not load them up and just sort of really take it easier. But uh, again, I think the key is the the, the players who who's, who's going to come in on Sunday, who are going to do a job replacing the players who played on Wednesday. John, back uh, back again with another quick question. You know, obviously, we, and we've talked about the level between the A League and the NPL, and there is talk about this creation of possibly or potentially a B League or, or something that sits in between us. Um, What's your thoughts on that and also on the current state of our junior players who are coming into senior football and their opportunity to play? Because I know we had a bit of a discussion on uh, Wednesday. Uh, what, what are your thoughts? Well, again, I mean, it's inevitable. It's got to happen as a second division because we're, we're actually, we've hit a brick wall at the moment uh, with the NPL. We've just, 
even you can see it in the players that there's not really much there. And players, all they want to do now is just turn up, get paid, and go home. And there's nothing, there's nothing else for them apart from I suppose the FFA Cup. And if they get knocked out in the first round, well, really, there's nothing else for them. So I think the the, the second league or second division or something on similar um, lines of that has to happen at some stage because we have to you know, get in line with the rest of the world, I suppose, and you know, and, and really sort of you know show what we're about and, and start and through this league comes to your second question is promoting those uh, the young players because at the moment and I think we had this discussion the other day that you know we, we it's hard for us to promote the young kids because the demands of the of the of the clubs are that they want to be successful they want to win it's really hard to promote three or four young kids in the team because of the inexperience more than anything you say to me all well, how do they gain experience they have to play absolutely absolutely and and, and I'm for that um, we need a law a rule I believe that the current status as it is, I think the NPL club should have uh, three or three or four young young players in their team from you know ranging from 17 to 20 year olds who has to be there compulsory and they're part of the 18 man squad and that way they'll have to play. Simple as that. Uh, and and you know you said Dino the other day that go one further and sort of say, well they they actually not only part of the squad they have to actually play and and, and I'm for all for that and I think most coaches are they want that to happen. So it's just about the powers to be to put that in motion. And if that happens, I think we'll see more our young players um, coming through and giving them a pathway. Because at the moment, what they're doing, they're sort of getting to an age of 16 and sort of sort of really signing up to managers at 16 years old and going overseas, which is, in, which is extraordinary. We've got, we've got over 100 players playing overseas in some really, let's be honest, Mickey Mouse leagues whereas they can do the structure stuff better here in Australia. Yeah, and Ange Postacoglu has proven that he will pick players from the uh, domestic competition if they're playing regular football and playing at the right standard. So, John, uh, what you're saying makes uh, a hell of a lot of sense. And as a bloke who played 200 games in Europe for uh, Thessaloniki and, uh, and 100 games in the domestic league for uh, for South Melbourne here, um, you speak with a lot of authority. So thanks for coming on the show, mate. Hopefully you can get through the uh, round of 16 against the Western Sydney Wanderers and then maybe a quarterfinal date with Destiny against your old club. <laughs> He's got a date with Destiny with his old club right now. This on Sunday at 4 o'clock. And uh, good luck with that. Uh, and if you're a football fan in Melbourne, get down to Lakeside. There'll be plenty of room for you down there. Uh, biggest game of the year for both these clubs, South Melbourne and Bentley Greens on Sunday. And see John Anastasiadis strutting his stuff on his old home turf, uh, trying to upset the old apple cart. Good on you, John Anastasiades. All right, stick around. After the break, Dino is going to extend his uh, brief into the EPL preview. It's going to be a good little uh, chat on this one because we've all done some homework predicting uh, some outcomes for the Premier League, but we're all going to reflect on uh, the great uh, moments of the past 25 years in the in the Premier League that, that's passed. So stick around. That's all next on Box to Box. Box to Box. The Chemist Warehouse. Home of real brands and real savings. And Storage King. They're just around the corner. And this could be the most crucial goal of all. This is Box to Box on NTS News Talk Sport on digital radio, streaming on the World Wide Web and the 
podcast on box2boxnts.com.au. Now, we went through a, a lot with Rob Tanner in the opening hour, but there's a lot we didn't get through and a few observations and some predictions. Our predictions. Yeah, exactly. We're looking now forward to those. So, Dino, Dino and I have done our homework, Rob. Have you? Yeah, of course I have. Mate. All right, okay. <laughs> let's go for this, Dino. First um, of all, the Community Charity Shield, whatever it's called these days. Well, look, it is It is the Community Shield. and used to be the I, Charity Shield. It used to be. It's been called a lot of things over the journey, but... Sometimes you, you don't take these too serious, but to be honest with you, I watched this game live, and this is a really, really good football match. Uh, both teams are in excellent form. The passing—I mean, if you're if you're a lover of passing, this was the game to watch. It was crisp. It was popping around at Wembley, full house as usual, and really entertaining game. And Arsenal, I think, have improved. So I know there was a lot of conjecture about uh, Arsenal staying in the job, but. Look, I, I really think they, they might have a, a little bit more claim than I thought, having now seen them in a game where he's playing I'm against I'm going to hold fire on, on that, Dino, oh, yeah, of because we've, we've got some yeah, predictions we've got plenty to do. Up. So I've got a little bit to, 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 to say about but Arsenal. But the game, look, the game started with Victor Moses scoring uh, just after half-time. Great little finish. Um, most probably Arsenal would be disappointed with their defending. Uh, but again, great finish. And then... Uh, this guy, he came on a sub, and let me tell you, this boy can play. Now, I'm not good with names, but I know his first name's Siad, <laughs> and uh, and it's I think it's Koloskimak, and he was outstanding when he came on. He played unbelievably well from a from a send off uh, tackle. Um, uh, that obviously put Chelsea down to 10 men. Um, the, the free kick that came from that that free kick was a great header, and uh, and the game ended, look, in the end uh, on penalties. So it was, look, it was... Uh, and, and it was the ABBA penalties. That's so. right. And if you were following the game on Twitter, like uh, I do from time to time, didn't that get a run? Hashtag ABBA. And all the all the puns from the ABBA I, I songs. Like, I like ABBA, though. I like it. No, no, <laughs> I seriously. Know. I, really I haven't do. got my head around it just so yet. So just, just, for, for, those, just for our listeners who don't know what ABBA yeah, is. He's an intelligent guy. He should get his head. It's pretty simple. Well, it is, but again, some A B B A. Yeah, yeah, so, but, it, but it's when you've been growing up. The Abba. second team penalty yeah. gets two shots in a row, <laughs> they don't do. they? Yeah. Uh, team A gets the first shot. The I don't second like team it. and it's, and it's based on statistics that show that if the team that takes the first penalty first generally win about something like sixty or seventy percent of the time. So that's why they brought it in, and I actually like the new format. Mm-hmm. So, do we want to move yeah, on? Let's move on. Let's move on. <laughs> I thought we might. So, what we've done—it's 25 years now that the Premier League uh, became the Premier League from the old First Division. Um, so, there was lots of memories prior to uh, to 1992, um, but the Premier League's been unbelievable. So, what we've done is we've had a little segment in within our segment is we're looking at the best player that's graced the Premier League in that time, the best moment, well, let's just talk the about worst the best moment, player, the best on. manager and the funniest moment. So let's go through the best player. Best player for me, this is an easy one, uh, Ryan Giggs, 13 titles, over 960 appearances for Manchester United in all competitions. How did he do that? 960. I'll tell you what, uh, pretty amazing performance. I mean, pretty hard to beat Ryan Giggs, I would think. No, that, I've got a... Go on, like then, the, Rob. Shades him for performance after that. I mean, I, I, with apologies to Gareth Bale because he hasn't completed his career, but I think the best ever player to play in the Premier League is an easy one, Cristiano Ronaldo. I mean, for what he's done in the competition, uh, let alone the worldwide game, he sits far atop uh, uh, Ryan Giggs. I've gone a little bit different, to be honest. I've done an English guy, <laughs> so obviously somebody home, homegrown and also an international. So I had Thierry Henry. 
mm. uh, for me. Hang uh, on, you said an English guy. No, no, but I'm going the international first. Thierry Henry for me uh, just changed changed the way the game was mm. played there as a striker. And then I went for another striker, which was an English-based, and that was Alan Shearer. Yeah, Shearer on. was just... Yeah, he was super. Sorry, boys. When they won I it, see your Shearer and Gibbs and, uh, Giggs and Trump you with a Ronaldo. <laughs> Sorry, boys. So, okay. there you go. We beg to differ. Okay, what about the best moment of the Premier League? I, I've, it's easy for me. Absolutely, on, without doubt. Okay, it, well, it's the, the once in a blue moon, 2012. Yes, I think that's the easy one, I've isn't got the it? Uh, Manchester City winning 100%. the title. Yeah. Absolutely. What a thrilling day. No way. This moment beats it hands Hold down. Hold on, just before we go on edges, I'm going to stick with you here, yeah. Rob. That was the best moment for mm. drama. Yes. I actually watched it with a Man United yeah, fan, which yeah. was quite yeah, entertaining, yeah, which, was, yeah. which was a goalkeeper yeah. who was living with us at the time. and. It wasn't very impressive. It was the last time we saw uh, those those images that we love to see uh, of the crowd, the, the crowd, crowd holding radios to their ear yeah. and, and talking and to each other, back and, and forth. Yeah, it yeah. was drama. I mean, you couldn't have written the script if you tried. No. Now so, look, I mean, this that better was, be good. That edge. was a good this moment. This better be good. No, but th- that, th- this was a much better moment. Mark, v- Mark Viduka, four goals yeah, against that, Liverpool. No, that was How do you beat that, brother? You yeah. cannot beat that. Sorry, Dean. Four I think, goals I think against we, Liverpool. I think we've easily. That I one. think we've won this one. Yeah. <laughs> oh, you traitor! Treachery! <laughs> now, what could Treason, be, What, what no, actually no. could be the worst moment in the Premier League? Well, I know what that is. Can I go first? Yeah, of course you can. It's got to be Eric Cantona's uh, <laughs> kung fu kick. Kung fu kick. <laughs> I had that down as my funniest moment. Salos Park. Salos Park. <laughs> I mean, that was that was like the commentary of that is absolutely unbelievable. When they look at the replay, he's, he's done some sort of diving kick over the fence. Yeah, yeah. I mean, he, he, look, he was an entertainer, but that was most probably one of his lowest moments. Uh, Rob, what are you thinking? Well, I, I guess you have to put that in there as well because there's nothing <laughs> else that that really, you know, in terms of worst moments ever. Um, we haven't seen anything that that, that sort of matches well, I, up with that with a with a a, a, a player actually uh, kicking a, well, a fan. But I, I did have that down. I know we're going to go to funniest moment. Do as you well. do you know who funny. the lowest points tally in the Premier League is? I think we're about to find out. My Derby County. So for me, that's the lowest moment certainly as a Derby fan. But I also threw in actually one of the most successful clubs in English football have never, ever, ever won the Premier League, and that's Liverpool. No. So I threw that in as one of the worst moments, that they went and dominated in the 70s and 80s. That's not a worst, that's not a worst moment. That's a worst decade. Well, it's the worst 25 years, yeah, because they right. haven't won anything in you know in regards to the league. So, I mean, that's where that's where Liverpool fans are right now. So anyway, we'll move on. Best manager, I think that's going to be pretty straightforward. Yeah, got to be selling. Yeah, the Tinker Man. No, sorry. Tinker <laughs> It's got to be Fergie time. Fergie time. He doesn't have the doesn't have the best uh, win loss ratio. There's other managers that are higher than him, but champion, but right. nothing like the longevity. His, yeah. What he did for Manchester United, unbelievable. Yeah. I mean, whatever you think of Sir Alex. But in terms of highlight moments, uh, little individual snapshots. Yes, I know Claudio Ranieri doesn't get in there, but uh, <laughs> but that one year that we'll we'll never forget of Leicester City. But going back into the early uh, years of the Premier League, uh, Arsene Wenger could have made claim to to that title. Nah, couldn't nah, he? Nah, nah, he could in the but, early but years. No, in the early years, if you're looking at the 25 yeah. years, he's won the most. Gentlemen, and, and take the wax out of you. I said the yeah, early okay, years. Yeah, the early years, absolutely. But it's a 25-year stretch, and Fergie changed the face of football, certainly from a Man United point for me. And and you know, for me, full full respect for the man. Now, funniest moment. <laughs> Another one I like. Edge. Well, you go first. I've got, well, I've got well, two. Well, I'm thinking that you might have one of them. Well, I've got a game where Hull City are playing Manchester City. And uh, 
they've played that badly in the first half that the manager, Phil Brown, who I know Brownie pretty well because he was at Derby, Brownie's actually not took them into the dressing room. He's took them all the way to the (laughs) far corner where his away fans are and he's dressed them down. Now, a year later, they go back to Manchester City and they score. So Jimmy Bullard, who is a bit of a character, is Jimmy. Jimmy actually reenacts the half that, that team talk. So all the players run to celebrate. He points to them to go and sit down and he actually berates all of them and he reenacts what had happened a year earlier with Brownie. And for me, that's one of the funniest moments in the Premier League for me. Well, for me, it was uh, Robbie Savage. Now, we all know Robbie Savage <laughs> at uh, Birmingham City and Blackburn was a hard man. This day, he's particularly playing for Birmingham City. We, we all know that he, he gave a bit of uh, lip and he, uh, he liked a, a pretty ferocious tackle and he used to do a bit of push and shove from time to time. But on this particular day, he was KO'd by the referee who... Uh, happened to point at the most opportune time as Robbie Savage was running by the referee happened to point to his linesman and uh, poked him in the eye and knocked him out it was fantastic <laughs> so those uh, all those uh, fans of English Premier League clubs that don't like Robbie Savage uh, you can laugh at well, that Well, Robbie one. and I have something very, very much in common. We were born in the same hospital. So yeah, there you yeah. go. Have you got one? Have you got a funniest Yeah, story? look, I did already refer to the Eric Cantona moment as my worst and funniest <laughs> moment in, in one. But uh, I have to confess that I did a little bit of research on, on funny moments uh, over the period of time. And I refer our listeners to uh, a, a website. I think if you just put funny moments in the Premier Correct. League yeah, and you yeah. find this guy called Joe who's who's mimicked the BBC sport uh, website with the colouring, the black and, and yellow colouring of his website and it sort of almost looks like uh, the BBC Sport website and Joe looks at the 20 Premier League funniest moments of all time and uh, you know just to give the you the headlines yeah Alex, the Alex Ferguson was scared by a balloon Robbie Savage gets elbowed by the ref <laughs> Arsene Wenger versus the coat uh, which is like an image of his coat sort of hanging up David Dunn's unbelievable techers what's a, a tecker mate yeah techers when you've got a good touch or good you've done touch. something yeah, really yeah. special okay Rafa Benitez just his sideline moments for the bus driver is we can magic. all we can all read stuff off the yeah, yeah, well, well, Edge, I'm, and, and, I'm and just trying to enlighten our people. Yeah. So, hang on, I think Edge might have suggested that he looked at the very same website while he was checking <laughs> yeah. in, so he's giving himself away. I can claim that I didn't. I just remember the funniest moment because well, I saw could. it live. Yeah. Uh, what about our predictions? What about our predictions? For the league. Yeah, interesting, yeah. isn't it? I mean, I, I can... ready to go I with this, Rob? I can start, yeah. I can start us off. I'm, this is where I'm going right now, and... Uh, what are we going to do? One to six? I think we go one to six. So we'll put this in the vault. Uh, yep. That We've got the championship in Will the you vault. you start off with yours? I want to go Chelsea to go back to back. Um, I saw enough uh, evidence on uh, in the uh, Community Shield. Manchester City second. Liverpool third. Manchester United fourth. Tottenham, with lack of activity, unless something really comes out of the bag. And don't forget, we don't know yet if they're going to sign anyone. Tottenham fifth. And Everton sixth. Uh, the relegation three, Watford, Huddersfield and Brighton. OK, let's go with me. I think Arsenal's going to win the title. Uh, I think it's. Uh, I think they've strengthened their squad. I think they've got better. And uh, there's nothing like experience to guide you through. Chelsea will come second. Yep. Manchester United third. Manchester City fourth. Liverpool fifth. Everton sixth. So my the team to bomb for me is Tottenham. Tottenham. I think they're going to bomb. Uh, going down? Relegation uh, for me it's Bournemouth. Burnley and Swansea. I couldn't put Brighton or Huddersfield in there for Australian interests. Bournemouth. Who was it? Swansea and, and Burnley. Swansea and Burnley. Okay. 
And I'm um, saying Maurizio Pochettino finally ascends the top of the dais and wins it for Tottenham Hotspur in their first season at Wembley. Um, so that uh, is going to be a brilliant year and a story to tell. So you're going, the they're out the six, yeah. and you've got them winning it. Yeah, no, okay. win, they win the lot. Uh, Manchester United, uh, I think Jose finally uh, gets the, 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 the great club's mojo back and, and they do the job. I'm tipping uh, Liverpool and Chelsea. Equal third, uh, thereabouts. Uh, you know, give uh, apologies to both of them. You can't separate. Them. Ev- no, I can't separate them. E- Everton um, to to do uh, well and, and and gradually improve. I, I like Rob Tanner's predictions there. And then I I, I um, am suggesting, even though um, the great Gunners will finish sixth, that there will be a season of angst for uh, for us and Wenger and the three clubs to go down: Burnley, Crystal Palace, and Swansea City. Because, like Edge, I'm not a disloyal Australian. <laughs> That's very good. Yeah, you don't think Mark Vaduka's was the was the best moment in the Premier League? Wide edge because it wasn't. Uh, now, just on on the Premier League, we've got some real big games coming up. Okay. Uh, so, just quickly, Arsenal start the league. And obviously, we've had uh, Rob on with. Uh, yeah, with, that's a really good time. Um, City, so now, I just time. wanted to point out to any of our listeners, if if you haven't um, stumped up for your Optus uh, yeah, get subscription, there, there's a free trial right now. So, if you just want to check it out on your on your, in your home TV, even even on your device, if you haven't got the equipment, then go to the Optus app and and take a look at the free um, download because you can check it out for a couple of weeks and see whether you, you like it and, um, and no very much so and I think it, you know Optus is I thought was pretty good last year I mean mm-hmm. I know we love Foxdale yeah. and we're very most probably biased towards that but yeah. I thought the Optus boys did and really well you get well. Mark Schwartz's uh, commentary which is pretty good and just just to finish, uh, I know we're really tight for time. Uh, just to bring everybody up to date, like we do with all the big cases, mm. the Hillsborough disaster, uh, mm. uh, the, the five who uh, who have been charged are in court this week. And ah, uh, oh, where do you go with this? It's mm. it's so tough um, for the families. It just yeah. never ever ends. Yeah. So I mean, yeah. you can't even start to imagine how you would feel if yeah. you were involved. Well, in we'll, we'll be getting someone on um, in the in the height of that uh, trial from. Liverpool to uh, you know really go through this in detail because uh, you know they look like there's going to be some uh, some people some um, high profile people end up in in jail because of this and uh, and ultimately as sad as that is um, it will be justice done for uh, for, for the 96 yeah, yeah exactly all right well Dino stick around because uh, we're going to try and dissect a little bit more about this whole FIFA FFA AFC Congress issue uh, in stoppage time so uh, yeah so stick around that's all next. On box to box. Box to box. Can you believe it? The Chemist Warehouse. Home of real brands and real savings. And Storage King. They're just around the corner. And this could be the most crucial goal. Welcome back to Box to Box on NTS News Talk Sport. Now, the fourth official signals there are seven minutes left for stoppage time. Now, we're going to chat about FIFA and the FFA and the AFC. A little bit more now. Yeah, we have to. (laughs) We want to wrap it up the show. But before we do, I just want to talk about our friends at Storage King. You know, so many reasons you need self-storage, and one of them is the growing family. You've accumulated so much stuff over the years just as a, a couple, let alone when the kids come into the place. And when those kids start to grow, you just get clutter around the house, and every room can potentially be minimised by half the stuff you've got in there. You don't know it till you get it out there. So you need to get down to Storage King. You need to call Storage King on 1-800-STORAGE or get onto the website, storageking.com.au. Check out the space estimator. It's a perfect way to assess 
how much space you need, whether it's a small little shed or a larger garage-style facility. At your local Storage King, they've got everything for you. You've got that full security, really friendly staff, people that want to help you out. If you've never had storage before, just call 1-800-STORAGE and your local Storage King will really walk you through the whole thing. So if you've got the growing family and you need more space and you want somewhere to store those precious family memories for uh, for days down the track or when your kids start to need the, the cot and the pram, etc., then uh, get on down to Storage King Edge. And, uh, Matt, I know you're a big fan of our, our brothers and sisters down at Storage King and uh, and you store down at your local facility, of course, don't you? I do because I'm actually, as Dean knows, I'm building um, uh, my new home, uh, which are? is a bit of a development. Yeah. Uh, we're building two and going to live in one or at the other. That's a bit of a, a long answer to that. So I am <laughs> using uh, Storage King at the moment and uh, they will get a bit more use before we move in at uh, the end of September, which we're looking forward to, Dino. Absolutely. Yeah. And so I know you've just built a home, Dino, too. I so, did, yes. So I've, you use Storage I've King been, as well. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, that's the yeah, first place I go to. Absolutely. Now, some people at the uh, FFA might need Storage King in <laughs> the near future to uh, put some of their gear if this normalisation committee comes out. So, guys, we've tried to dissect <laughs> it in detail, but... Uh, you know, Edge, I asked you for a prediction, and uh, and look, Dino, you know, you, you're you know heavily involved with the uh, you know the the, the MPL um, Association of, of Clubs. Yep. Um, you're not with Hume City any, anymore, but you're still the Victorian representative on that committee because you know you do come with a pretty substantial pedigree in this game in the country. He is in between clubs. He'll get a club. Yeah, of course. Yeah, we we know that. But um, but Dean, how do you think this will play out from a bloke who's lived and breathed football all your life? Well, I think it's it's come to a point now where it's it's getting to the critical stage. Um, there's you know there's a lot of media on this. There's lots of opinion on it. Um, but for the good of the game, the one thing we don't want is it to be you know where FIFA take over control and bring their own people in. I think if if, if people can get back to the table and get some common sense and who would that be? Who would they who would they reach out to FIFA? I mean, who would like it? to be who would like to be anointed as FIFA's representative on the normalisation? Well, Blatter's got some time on his hands. We need a credibility, <laughs> don't we? No, but I think they'd have to be an Australian. But imagine if you accepted that on behalf of FIFA, you'd be corporate. You'd be a corporate leper in Australia, wouldn't you? I mean, surely there is so much disregard for FIFA's own governance and own history in this that if you actually took on the the mantle as FIFA's representative on the uh, FFA Normalisation Committee, surely uh, you know that's a that's not something that would be look great on you resume look i know i know the stakes are high and i know there's a lot of money involved in this and you know generally money makes the decisions in most things in life but i think purely as a purist and i suppose i'm more the romantic about football you you, you want football to be successful in that country and i've spent nearly 35 years in this country which i call home and I don't know if I've seen a it's in a worse position regards to the pol- political side of the football game, and you know we, you know we just celebrated you know Les Murray and and his life and the, the things that he did for the game and many many before him, and we just seem to be going round in circles and until somebody is bold enough and strong enough to go and stand up, tell it the way it is, get it back in order. It's not it's not really hard, I don't think, to fix. I mean, the So you vet, think the chairman needs to be replaced, don't you? Well, yeah. I think the chairman needs to be the chairman. If you're the chairman, do your job. And, you know, and I, and I, I worry that, you know, the chairman got the job through just because of family member. I mean, that just doesn't happen in many, many walks of life. Other and, that, than, and that therein lies the, the whole um, conundrum around the current Congress, because um, the fact that they were able to, I mean, regardless whether you agree or disagree with Stephen Lowy's capacity to be chairman, the way he entered that role uh, 
on the basis of the way the FFA could control the, the Congress is bad optics and needs to be renovated. That that That's at the crux of what we're talking about, isn't it? Well, it is. And, and I think it's more... I'm, I'm pretty simple on, on things is you need someone who knows what they're doing. They've got all of the business acumen that you need to be a chairman of any organisation. So it doesn't matter if it's football, rugby or any sport or any business. You've got to have that first. Secondly, you've got to be to have to deal with people because everybody's it's not a, it's not a vehicle it's it's there's people involved and everyone's got opinions and everyone's got something to for me to bring to the table so let's get them all together i know we've had the this week's events <clears throat> excuse me and and from this let's hopefully we get some really good momentum into a position come october or november when it is that we have a platform to move forward because the game is crying out right now for some stability and some direction yeah, it sure is. What happens over the course of the next week, the next 10 weeks between now and the FIFA deadline in November is going to be fascinating to watch. We all hope for the sake of football in this country that uh, that Stephen Lowy can be an effective chairman. Absolutely. Uh, I know plenty of people think uh, that he he needs to go, but uh, right now if he does go... Well, who's uh, the alternate? I mean, yeah. nobody's really talked about who the alternate is. Yeah. yeah, exactly. So we need him to be an effective chairman. We need him to run the show. We need some diplomacy at the, the top level that to bring people around. And, and, and work out what's going to be a, a satisfactory resolution. Gentlemen, thank you for a great show again. You're welcome, thank Rob. You, Mi- yeah, thank you, Mi- Michael, and thank you, Rob. And thank you, Nigel, as and well. And Nigel, of course. And that's full-time on Box to Box. Join us next week when we go from one end of the pitch to the, to other, the other in the World Game.